You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious but concerned episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers outlast Army 72-64 to to move to 2-0 on the season, but it is the second straight performance by Indiana, uh, you know, against a team that Indiana was supposed to handle, certainly this one more than Florida Gulf Coast, that Indiana was supposed to handle with ease that just didn't happen. Uh, and that really presents a lot of questions um, that we are going to try and tackle on this edition of the Assembly Call. Obviously, happy to get the win. You know, you avert disaster uh, by winning this game and not having a loss against the 338th ranked team uh, against Ken Palm on your resume. Uh, but just really an unfocused, uneven performance by Indiana. Um, that, you know, look, we knew this was going to be a season where it was going to take this team some time. Uh, there were going to be some growing pains early. Not sure everybody saw an eight-point win over Army uh, as being part of that. And so we're going to try and make, make sense of it um, all here on this edition of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, the coach, Brian Tonsoni, is not here. It is his birthday, so go wish the coach uh, a happy birthday. And certainly we're going to make him come talk about this game <laughs> on his birthday. Um, but anyway, let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And you look, it wasn't a performance um, that you know provided a lot of highlights for Indiana. But you know, to me, when I'm thinking about the banner moment, it's at the 9:51 mark of the second half when Xavier Johnson came back into the game. Um, you know, the biggest thing that you want to do in a game like this, really, the two biggest things, like just the fundamental things you have to get out of a game like this with, are the win. Indiana did that and no major injuries. And so with X coming back uh, into that game, it looked like maybe it was just some cramping. Indiana certainly did that. And it was a really kind of interesting up and down game for X. You know, in the first half, he scored 15 points, had three assists, um, and really was about the only thing going offensively. Uh, And if he doesn't, you know, kind of go off and take it upon himself to be a bit of a one-man offensive show, who knows what the first half deficit would have been um, for Indiana. You know, didn't have as productive of a second half, um, and his defense was up and down all night, but certainly that play that he made uh, on the first possession after coming back in, the little two-man action with Peyton Sparks. Uh, you know, Sparks had a nice little roll. X hit him with the little pocket pass, and then Sparks hit that tough up and under it, put Indiana up 56 to 50. So, you know, there were some highlights, especially in the first half. A lot of those highlights were from Xavier Johnson. But on a night like tonight, you know, we're going to break down a lot of the things that happened in this game, but you just got to escape with the win. Indiana did that, and you got to escape without any major injuries, you know, for this game to not be a complete disaster. Uh, and so with X coming back, Indiana certainly did that. Um, and that's about, it's about as good of a better moment uh, as I've got after what was a very frustrating and perplexing performance uh, by the Hoosiers this evening. All right. With that said, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yeah, 
Yes, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, you know that there's always going to be more new stuff coming out. And whenever they do something cool, like the snapback hats uh, that they just brought out, Indiana's going to be one of the first schools to have them. Same thing with the bomber jackets. Indiana now has two uh, of the bomber jackets. And so if there is an Indiana fan in your life that you're looking to shop for for Christmas this year, go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME23 and you will get 15% off your entire first order. And the thing is, it's not just Indiana. Their product line extends to well over 150 colleges and universities with you know, unique apparel for each of them because they pull these old you know, logos and brand marks and mascots you know, out of the dustbins of history, breathe new life into them. And it's a really fun way for fans of schools to show their love. And every item is really kind of a conversation starter, you know, which is great. And that's what Homefield does. They've also got some Colts gear. They've got their core collection. So it's always growing. Even if you were there a month ago, there's new stuff there that you haven't seen now. So go there, support our friends at Homefield Apparel. Came up through the Kelly School of Business. We love supporting them. Uh, we really appreciate their support of us. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your entire first order. That's HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line on this Indiana performance. Um, I think the, you know, I think growing pains is something that everybody, uh, expected with this team, but I don't think anybody expected what we've seen through the first couple games. Uh, and I don't think anybody necessarily should have expected it to be as bad as it was, uh, tonight, quite frankly. Uh, and I think some of it is philosophical that I know we'll get to in terms of some of the things, uh, defensively and, uh, would be great for a coach to be on and help, you know, kind of explain again, the whole nail slot rim thing of, trying to prevent drives, but there are drives that are not going to materialize that IU is helping off of and not recovering. And I almost said it on the broadcast at one point, IU is in constant rotation Yes, and, and gave up countless wide open threes against a team that wanted to shoot threes, you know, coming into the game, a big part of, you know, from an attempt standpoint, uh, that was what army wanted to do. 61 field goal attempts for them tonight, 38 of them were threes and tons of them were just absolutely uncontested uh, looks. And, you know, you want to take the fact that the this is new personnel. They're trying to learn the system. They're trying to learn how to play together, the communication, whatever else. But, hell, you got a situation at the end of the game. You got two guys leave the guy with the ball. I, I, it's just, you, you know, like that. that to me is beyond – even philosophical things. And this team just doesn't look like they're on the same page uh, right now. Xavier Johnson, I did not, I, I turned off the post-game interview. People talked that he was really mad after the game. Well, uh, good. Um, uh, you know, but, you know, said that Ware and Malik can be soft. I got to tell you, IU loses this game by a billion, if not for Khalil Ware's stretch in the beginning of the second half. Wait, he said um, that on the post-game? That that's what I, multiple people in the Discord said it. So that I'm going Jeez. off of that. I did I not. I turned it, it off we were, before the post. I didn't watch interview. it because we were getting on here. But uh, and then offensively, I really struggled to figure out what this team is trying to do. Again, we talked about this philosophically. I joked before we came on that if I could go back and and relock one of our over unders from earlier in the week, uh, I would lock the hell out of the under uh, three point attempts uh, in this. I mean, they barely shot any in the second half. 
and, and and while that's great that Malik and Khalil were effective inside, like it's against Army. Uh, it, it just is, does not feel like a philosophy that is gonna gonna get you there uh, against other good teams. So, um, trying to stay away from overreactions and hyperbole, I probably did not do a good job with that already. But like this was an alarming performance to me uh, on a variety of levels. Doesn't mean that this team isn't going to be good. Doesn't mean any of those things. But given the opponent and and everything else, like this was alarming uh to me and and for a lot a lot of reasons i think we could pass off the florida gulf coast as hey this is the better team than people you know may have given credit for coming into the game sure. and it was hey there's lots of angles to talk about here like that, that's not true with with army coming in and maybe iu overlooked them but i'm not sure this team is at a point where it can be overlooking anybody quite yet um and just lots to work on lots to figure out the talent on this roster suggests that there's still uh a ceiling for this team that can be reached and that's why I'm not by any stretch given up on them after two games. Um, but the distance between where they are and where they've shown through these first couple of games and what that ceiling is, is pretty vast right now. Coach, let's go to you. It's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? They got problems. They do. Thank you for chiming in with that coach. Ryan, let's go to you for your rant. Uh, look, uh, you know, there were narratives when Mike Woodson was hired as the head coach and one of them, and it's been pointed out repeatedly, it was, could he recruit? He's never done it before. Could he recruit? And he's done a great job with that. The other question was, we know he'll teach intense defense and, and his philosophy of defense is a lot of switching and things like that. And sometimes with new players that takes a while because it's a lot of communication and understanding where each other are and feeling comfortable with each other. And so that I think you can kind of expect to be sloppy early in the season with 10 new players on the roster. That, that, I mean, I didn't expect it to be perfect. I didn't expect them to be leaving three-point shooters open all day when they already have the ball, but I expected some sloppiness with younger guys and new guys. The other thing was, what will the offense look like? He His teams typically relied on a lot of ISO in the NBA, relied on a lot of one-pass or individual plays, and while some of his teams shot a lot of three-pointers, a lot of that was individual plays. It wasn't a set offense getting those. Can he become a modern, teach modern basketball? And the answer so far has been a resounding no. And it's maybe it's not what he's teaching. It's what's happening on the court. All we heard all offseason was, well, the offense we ran last year was because of the players we had. We're going to be different. We're going to change it. It's going to be more open. It's going to be less focused on just feeding the post. Through two games and two exhibitions, I don't see it. Uh, they shot, as Andy said, what, 11 threes tonight? 11 threes. They shot three in the second half, and one of them was a last second by Xavier Johnson where he had to shoot it. It got tipped and fell about a foot short of the rim. Um, and it was a shot clock violation, I believe. Um, that's not good enough, and it's never going to be good enough in modern college basketball. You gave what'd you lose by 30? What Army had 39 points from the three point line, and Indiana had 12. If you do that against anybody else, you are getting blown the heck out. This team needs to shoot threes, it needs to stop focusing on only feeding the post. Look, if you have an advantage like you do against Army, yes, Kalel Ware in the post against Army is your win, but we haven't seen this in other games either. We haven't seen them moving the ball around the perimeter using cutters to get open looks, kicking it in, kicking out. The one time they went kick in, kick out, they got a wide open three for Gabe Cups from the corner and he knocked it down. It was probably the biggest shot of the game. They're not doing that enough. You're seeing a three out, two in offense where you've got two bigs taking up all the space in the lane, which closes the driving lanes and also leads the defense to believe 
they're not even going to shoot these out here. So let's pack the paint. And that's what they did. And it was only because wear and renew are so much better than their competition that they were able to combine for 34 points. So I don't know what it's going to take, but Mike Woodson needs to change what he's doing offensively and get his perimeter players involved. You're getting nothing from your shooters. You had Caleb Banks hit a three. CJ Gunn, nothing. Uh, Trey Galloway, nothing. Xavier Johnson hit two. And then Gabe Cups hit one. Like Khalil Ware Ware is supposed to be an inside-out guy. He didn't even take a three tonight. Like, You've got to utilize the three-point line or it goes to waste because you know what? Everybody else in college basketball is going to utilize the three-point line. There will be games where they don't hit them, but on the whole, they will beat you if they can shoot. It's a great point, you know, and I think, you know, look, if you're you know kind of coming and watching this show and you're like, dude, they won by eight. Why are you guys so upset? The context here is really important. You know, Indiana was supposed to win this game by 24, 25 points when you look at every computer metric because this Army team was 338th in Ken Palm. And so I think, you know, our analysis tonight is not just, you know, based on, hey, did they win the game? Yes, they won the game. But it's trying to project what did we actually see tonight that when they go play Connecticut in the Empire Classic is actually going to translate. And I think part of the issue, Ryan, is you just said right there, you know, yeah, Kalel 20 points, 9 of 11 from the field, Malik with 14 points. Like, that's all great. But the concern is you come out in the second half and you're basically just desperately going into your big guys to win. You have to do it to win the game. Yeah, right. It shouldn't it shouldn't have been like that. Um, And I think a big concern for me coming out of this, Andy, is, you know, I I, to me, when I was looking at this game, I was like, boy, this is a huge spot to get McKenzie Mbako going. You know, he's a freshman. This is a guy who's been used to, to scoring points. We know he's having you know struggles on the defensive end. There's no question about it. But you're going to need his offense. Like, that's the formula for this team. One of the huge parts to reach its ceiling is you've got to get McKenzie Mbako going. McKenzie Mbako played 16 minutes, scored two points, had one play run for him, and made the shot when that play was run for him. And look, I, I can already hear what folks are saying. He's not playing well enough defensively to earn minutes on the court, yada, yada, all that stuff. But you have a supremely talented five-star freshman who is essentially an afterthought in the offense right now. And, you know, Ryan, to the point that you made earlier, with a guy like Miller Kopp, a a fifth-year senior who knows what that role is going to be and really understands it, like, you can kind of do that. And he'll be patient waiting for his points. Mackenzie Mbako is a freshman, you know? And you've got to do some things to help him out. And so that, to me, is a concern that through two games – you haven't really been able to get that young man going offensively because you know him getting going offensively is going to help the defense. You know, and so that's where last year when you hear quotes like, it's not my job to get Miller Cop shots. Yeah, well, it is your job to help McKenzie and Baco get shots, I think. It is. And so not seeing any of that to me is is very frustrating. And, you know, from the philosophical thing, from the what do we take from tonight that we project forward, that's I'm you know, that's something to plant a red flag in. It's probably it's too early to press the panic button, of course, and Indiana's two and oh. But you got to get him going somehow. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know what that way is, but. And, and right now you'd say maybe Khalil Ware is your most talented player physically, something like that. Because he's tall and he can he can do some things and he can face up and all that. But Mackenzie Mbako is your most talented offensive weapon, I would say. And yes, he's a freshman. So caveats for that. And he's got to get comfortable at this level. But when your offense is floundering the way it was for a long stretch, where they have five turnovers in a row at one point uh, of the second half when the game was still in doubt and you can't find a possession to get him the ball and say like, all right, 
clear out the wing, let him go one-on-one, or let's run a screen for him. Let's run a pin down. Let's run some kind of action to get him one-on-one or get him a shot. That's the guy you feel best about taking a jumper on this. Probably this entire team from 15 feet and out is probably Mackenzie Mbako. He's got a sweet stroke and he can hit him and knock him down and he can make something happen. And if you've got him lodged on the bench because he's making defensive mistakes, I got news for you. Everybody was making defensive mistakes tonight. At some point, you're going to need somebody to spark your offense because your defense is not getting it. And defensively, they were all leaving shooters wide open. And so you can put that on Mbako because, well, he's a freshman and we need the other guys. But if you continue to bury him that way, he's never going to learn and he's never going to get better. And so in a game like this, that's a teachable opportunity to get him the chances to to help you win. Yeah. Andy, thoughts on that or other general thoughts on the offense? I, yeah, I, ju- I just think um, with Mbako, he doesn't look comfortable, but I'm not sure that yanking him is going to get him more comfortable. I think what a guy like that needs to be more comfortable is to score and see the ball go through the basket. We've seen this with IU teams in the past. They play a lot harder on defense when they actually get into a rhythm offensively. Now, you may want it to be the other way around, and the, the defense dictates the offense and all of those things, but like I would say over the generally over the scope, the scope of time that we've been doing the show, it's been the opposite. Uh, and I think you might get a more locked-in Mbako on that end of the floor if you're able to really you know, see him get the ball you know, a little bit more. And it doesn't mean you got to go run every single play for the guy, but at least occasionally with a guy of that caliber, you've got to put him in positions to score because I think the other shot he took was really kind of forced. There really wasn't anything going on. It was a Um, frustration shot. He wasn't getting anything going. He forced a turnaround. Yeah. First time he got it, he, he took a tough shot where there really wasn't a lot of space to take it. Yeah. Now that you say what it was, um, you know, I remember it. And even some of the plays that, that Ware made in the second half were tough turnaround shots um, in, in the post as well. And and so, you know, as you look at some of the things that, you know, Woodson talks about offensively, you know, more ball movement, more pick and rolls. It, you know, it just didn't seem like the the movements that they were doing when they would run stuff, like nobody was cutting hard enough to really generate any kind of advantage from what you were running. With the exception of that kind of Zoom handoff they were running at the elbow that they run for the, you know, first couple – uh, I think the first play of each of the last couple of games, they got a lob to wear out of it tonight. I think X hit a jumper off of it the first time. Uh, Galloway scored off of it when they ran it again later in the game. Um, I, you know, it feels to me like this. And I know Coach was asking this in the Discord because he you know, talks about kind of who's calling the offense. Is it is it X? Is it Woodson? I didn't really get a definitive idea. I know they showed the one you know picture of X getting frustrated at the top of the key. You know, because tr- guys weren't getting in the right position. Um, but I would also argue, like, if you got something that works, just keep running it a little bit because there are variations of things they could do off of that action that were there. It didn't have to be the same thing every time. And if guys are getting confused or whatever the case may be, you know, just I, I don't know. It just felt like there were ways to get him shots. And he responded when he when he got the ball in that position because you gave a shooter a wide open shot. Well, I think it's. Um, it- it's worth noting too that sometimes with a younger guy, if you get them going offensively, their defense gets better because it locks them in a little bit more to the game. I mean, we've seen that happen in the past, and it can work the other way too. If you lock down a defensive end, a guy can be more aggressive, willing to take a shot, willing to drive, all that stuff. But I mean, you can try and get one going. But here's the thing, guys: a week from tonight, they're playing UConn. Are you at all confident that they can hang with UConn 
in a week. Ryan, can we please focus on Wright State first? <laughs> Not avoid I, no, a but, loss I, but I'm game. just saying, like, like <laughs> that's but no, that's I what, what I mean, mean, though, is that us like pointing out these deficiencies despite a win, it's. You've got to extrapolate to what this means against good teams who are not going to let them get away with what Army let them get away with. And letting a team hit 13 threes on you and you only answer with four, you're going to lose a lot of basketball games when that's the case. And, and look, we something that we need to really point out and focus on here, and Andy, you just put it in our chat. I'm guessing this is from the post-game press conference. Xavier mm-hmm. Johnson says, IU needs to step up practice effort. We're not going as hard. I think our preparation led to this performance. I mean, look, a big part of what happened today. There are lots of schematic things and philosophical things that we've talked about. This team also just played really focused, careless, lackadaisical basketball. I mean, bottom line, you don't turn it over 18 times with, I mean, I just thought of six unforced turnovers. (laughs) Like where, you know, Gabe Cups throws the ball at a guy's feet. Uh, Trey Galloway just gets it stripped out of his hand. You know, like there were just so many of those really bad turnovers that we haven't seen. Uh, and, you know, same thing, Andy, you know, at the end of the game, you just leave a shooter because X and Khalil Ware can't figure out what's going to happen. It's not and talking. Happened, and that happened a lot. All game. You know, so no scheme is going to work with the kind of focus <laughs> that Indiana brought tonight. But, you know, when you have some of those schematic issues, especially defensively, Ryan, where Boy, it really feels like you've got to have everybody locked in, communicating well. You've really got to understand the scouting report. Who are we helping off of? Who are we not helping off of? All of those things. We saw none of it. None again, of it. if this was just an opponent that was maybe like one of the 250 best teams in the country, they win this game. And and credit to Army. Like, I thought Army played really well for what they are. They, you know, sensed blood in the water and they, you know, they went after. They just didn't have enough. We out-talented and out-athletic them. That's fine. We'll take our eight point victory. But I mean, this was a, you know, a two pronged thing that happened tonight, which is you saw some of Indiana's kind of schematic and philosophical things, you know, come back to bite them and they just didn't play focused. No, and and that, I mean, of all the things, and especially for X to say that, like that's got to get fixed first. You know, I mean, this team is going to have enough issues on the offensive end that, I mean, they can't also just be you know, trying to win games without max effort and focus. I mean, that's, that's a bad early sign and it needs to get fixed quickly. And, and, and look, we've said all along, this will be a work in progress for a long time. Again, ton of young guys, ton of new players playing together for the first time. But I think we all expected better than tonight. Uh, This is not, I did not expect them to be this bad uh, this early at this point. I mean, um, that said, yeah, I mean, the ceiling for this team in January and on is still very high. It's just, you've got to start to see it. And the philosophical stuff, you understand the mix-ups on defense and the communication issues and maybe some turnovers of you're passing the ball to where you think a guy's going to be, he's not there because you don't have the chemistry yeah. yet. You understand that stuff. What you, what I don't understand is the schematic stuff that doesn't take advantage of what the defense is giving you and things like that. That we've seen for three seasons now and needs to develop and change. And I'm not saying it can't, and I'm not saying Mike Woodson doesn't see it, but we've seen no movement in that direction. So I, I'm just puzzled as to when that ever comes, especially because we were told all offseason, this is going to be different. We had Trace Jackson Davis. We had to do that. We had Jalen Shafino. We had to run pick and roll every time for those two guys because they were our two best offensive players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just confused as to when, if, if and when that's ever going to change. Yeah, I, I think 
it just becomes to me like some of that stuff boils down to the lineup stuff. And Woodson had a quote, you know, about the starters. That whole unit has stunk the last two games in the first half. I got to figure it out. I, I, it does beg the question at some point, how long can you stick with playing this bigger lineup? The, the challenge is that uh, that two of the guys who've played best for you this season are Our Malik Renu and, and Khalil Ware. So to play smaller is to take one of those guys off the floor or not play Mbako. He has, for the last two games, when things got tough, opted for the latter of those options. Let him be um, the offensive focus on the second unit until he gets going. You know, maybe yeah, that's an option. I, also, stop, yeah, doing, maybe, stop doing the hockey line changes. I know he's working on things right now, but you're putting that second unit out without a scorer. Yeah. Put Ware or Renew with that second unit, like or leave Ware Renew in with that second unit so you at least have some momentum there. Yeah, you're, you're running you're running stuff that's not get you're running the same stuff with the second units. It's not getting you looks with the first unit that's more talented. And and you can't be surprised that the results are pretty poor and it results in Guys, t- you know, one of the shots they made was Caleb Banks taking a contested three in the corner. I mean, great that he made Caleb. it, but, you know, it was just late shot clock stuff of trying to find guys, somebody who can manage to get open to take a shot, whether it was CJ Gunn or Gabe Cups or whatever. But you're just running the same stuff that didn't work with less talented guys. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you at that point. So uh, I, I know, Jared, you said you wanted to talk where in the meaningful moment. So we'll leave that. I, I will say in an attempt to kind of circle this around to something that has been better than what we expected uh, as a tease for the next segment. It's been him a yeah. thousand percent. Yes. 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 And, well and, and the the motor stuff. Don't really see it. I mean, you see at times, but I think it's just because he's playing so many damn minutes. He looks a little kind of tired or, or or a little slow here or there, and I think that's just the wear having to, no pun intended, uh, getting on him a little bit. I didn't mean that. I did not mean mm-hmm, to say it that way. Sure. Um, but <laughs> this has been know, difficult enough, Ryan. We don't yeah, need. We you don't know need what? to interject. With I'll that take kind that of one. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take. I'll take that on the chin. You're right. Uh, but nine of eleven from the field from him, and two of three from the free throw line. I mean, he's doing everything he want. I the only thing I can say is put him out on the floor more. I'd like to see him out on the floor yeah. and give him the confidence to shoot the ball because th- that will make him unguardable. And then that two man, that two big man game actually makes sense if you yep. put him out on the floor. Yep. All right. Well, hold that thought. We're going to talk more about him coming up. By the way, I do want to let everybody know, and you've probably seen this on social media already, but Tuesday is a big day for Indiana sports. It is the, it's being referred to as Indiana's largest day of NIL support. Uh, it's Hoosiers connect and they are organizing. They have organized basically a full day of content that is made to encourage all of us to go to inforindiana.com and donate. You know, one of the big goals for Hoosiers Connect with this donation drive is to uh, improve the number of, you know, small recurring donations because it's awesome to get the big donations from big businesses. But I mean, one of the strengths of Hoosier Nation is all of us, you know, the 800 people who are here on a Sunday night listening to us talk about a very questionable performance against Army. You know, this is what makes Hoosier Nation great. Um, you know, I've had the the good uh, fortune, good opportunity, along with Galen, to kind of be involved in planning this, and we're really excited uh, for what you're going to see. A lot of great content. So mark your calendars for Tuesday. Uh, the schedule, I think, is out. I'm going to be sending out an email about it, uh, and we'll tweet it out. Um, but it's inforindiana.com. It's Indiana's largest day of NIL support. Be ready for that uh, coming up on Tuesday. All right, guys, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 72-64 victory over Iowa, we will point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. 
Hey, this is Matt Spielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. All righty. Thank you, Max. We appreciate that. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Coach isn't here. It's his birthday. Make sure you go wish him a happy birthday. We are breaking down Indiana's eight-point victory over Army. It's the top of segment two, so you know what that means. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Yes, this segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. And Andy, to the point that you were making there at the end of segment one, uh, you know, Khalil and basically everybody else really got off to a slow start offensively in the first half. But just as Indiana did in the Florida Gulf, Florida Gulf Coast game, they really came out in the second half making a concerted effort. Like, look, our advantage is down low. Let's go down low. Do what we need to do. Khalil Ware uh, response, you know, going seven for seven, uh, you know, from the field. And yeah, you know, even though he's against Army uh, and, you know, none of those guys are in his class physically, athletically, from a talent perspective, you know, coming out in your second game in Assembly Hall when your team is trying to avoid disaster and going seven for seven uh, is a big performance. And, you know, there were a lot of plays that stood out, I thought. The one that I really liked seeing was the turnaround jumper that he had on the baseline. You know, and I know it's kind of a point of contention, like, hey, we want to see, you know, where, uh, you know, be a little tougher on the block, play through contact, all of that stuff. I, but I just wonder, you know, with this Indiana team really struggling to find, like, what is our thing? When we need a shot, what is the shot we're going to get? Right now, you could do a whole heck of a lot worse than that little turnaround by Ware, which is unguardable and will be unguardable in most matchups just because of his size, ability to get it off. Um, and so, you know, again, I don't think that's something that you want to rely on. Uh, but in certain situations, you know, that is something that, that you can count on, you know, as at least a decent look that Indiana can get. Jared um, loves a turnaround jumper from a big man. We've known that. I do. This one, a little bit more projectable forward yeah. than, than the last A little bit one. more. Slightly. Uh, slightly. So, so that, that stood out to me from him. Uh, but you're right. You know, just a, a terrific second half scoring for Khalil Ware, which an Indiana needed, you know, almost all those points. So anything else jump out to you from his performance tonight? I mean, really just that whole stretch in general. He showed a little bit of, a little bit of everything. I think he scored 11 straight points. That was in the middle of it, I think, that, that turnaround jumper. Uh, you know, started it with a dunk, caught a lob in there, uh, scored an and one, thought he shot free throws relatively well over the course of the game. Um, but he was really just dominant in that stretch and, and was able to take the ball in different positions and score. Uh, I thought when they can get him the ball at the free throw line, he's a good passer. The one that he tried to enter to renew from the three-point line, not as much. Um, but, I mean, he was such a key cog of that part of the, the second half. You know, they, they had a couple empty trips, three empty trips to, to start – then they scored on, I think it was nine straight possessions, scored 20 points in, in nine possessions over that stretch. He's got 11 of those. Then, you know, they turned it over seven of the following 10 possessions, but let's not not focus on that as much. But I, but I do think he was, if you can allow him to find, you know, enough space to really get the ball in there, um, as you said, that turn on jump shot, he made another one that was shorter than the, than the first one. Um, but I, I thought generally his motor was good. I think there's rebounding things. I think it almost shows up more there. 
Um, yes. You know, some of the rebounding. Uh, and there was a, a ball he deflected where Hummel was like, that's great. He's got great link. You'd like to see him do the work earlier. He did, you know, allow guys to drive by him at, at times and, um, and, and some of that. But I thought, you know, that stretch was really key. Let IU gain some semblance of control of the game that they would they would soon relinquish, but they at least uh, for that stretch really had army on their heels, which is what you kind of would have expected for the whole, the entirety of the game or far longer stretches of the game. But, um, you know, I think against a, a team like this, his, you know, physical skills are pretty much unguardable uh, against them if they can get him the ball in the right position. And the other moment, Ryan, to transition to you to talk about where that the folks may have missed, it happened early. Uh, I think Khalil was going for a rebound, and Mike Woodson didn't like kind of how hard he went after the rebound. And you saw him take Ware out, and you, he mouthed, how many fouls do you have? How many fouls do you have? Basically saying, like, you don't need to try and avoid fouls. Yeah. Go up physically, attack that rebound, which to me is a sign of Woodson just not going to allow Ware to have any slippage. You know, if he sees it early in the game that he's not on it, he's going to stay yep. on him. And I thought Ware responded really well to to what Coach Woodson said to him. No, he did, and I thought he played hard tonight. And and honestly, uh, Indiana's best play right now is lobbing the ball anywhere towards the rim when Ware has any space whatsoever and lets it let him dunk it. I mean, that, that's essentially... That's the best play Indiana is running now. It's whoever has the ball. If he has any room whatsoever, just put it. No one's going to get it over him. Um, and and so I've been really impressed with him from the exhibitions to now. I, I think he's been Indiana's consistent performer. Maybe not their best player, but their most consistent performer. He's scoring points. He's you know using his length on defense. I think he overplays sometimes for a block, which we saw Trace Jackson Davis do for a few years. That's pretty natural for a younger guy to do who's a, a shot blocking artist, and it leaves your guy open on the backside if nobody helps down, which sometimes they can't. So it's not really their fault. It's kind of yours for being over aggressive. But other than that, I mean, the guy is everything you want him to be. He had a big steal late where he, def- he, had, he had a really big play where there was an open guy into the basket. He deflected it out of bounds to save a basket. Um, he's just, he was plus 15 teams, but be- I mean, you know, he, they were better when he was on the floor. And if you make your team better when, you're on the floor, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And he's been the best player so far and most consistent performer. I'll continue to say that. Um, Wait, and, and, he, and, and that's not, that's not a, a, an insignificant thing. No, you know, not at I, all. I, no, not, given but, I, but I just a, want to point it out, you know, for, for this, for this young man, especially, you know, I know we absolutely. said kind of earlier, you don't take a lot from it with the big guys, like their production, because they should be able to go get that points. But what you do take it from is in four straight, you know, public appearances by this IU basketball team in matchups that haven't been that quote unquote exciting where the players may not be juiced up coming into it as much as they would be for Purdue. Khalil's brought it every time and been productive. And I His think given base what level, we saw at Oregon, that is something meaningful yep, to take out of these it's first huge four for games. Him. It's huge for him. And and yep. his base level has been higher than everybody else's in yes. these games. And and you're not seeing the up and down. Like, you know, Trey Galloway tonight, I thought he he played with energy, but he scored five points for you in 30 minutes and didn't really do much on offense. He wasn't really affecting the game on offense. Until that lob late, you really didn't know he was around on the floor offensively very much. And so while Trey is a guy that has that energy, has all that stuff, his base level has not been as high as Khalil wears uh, so far this season. And so, you know, Khalil's done what he's supposed to do. And especially, as you said, given his reputation coming in, he is surpassing what was expected of him, especially early. 
and he and Renew really have been what Indiana has been able to rely on. And it's a shame that we're talking about that because we're talking about we need to spread the offense out, do more, and maybe you know the three-guard lineup is better. But you have to have those two guys on the floor when you need to win. The question is, do you pull one of them away from the hoop to give the other more space inside? I think at this point, given what we've seen, the answer is probably yes. If they're yeah. both on the floor at the same time, I don't think they should both be occupying the same space. That's me. I'm big into spacing on a basketball floor. Uh, you know, You're really I'm going not, out on a limb there with that. I opinion. am not a college basketball coach. Maybe that's just what we're doing these days. I don't know, but I do think that you need to open up the floor by moving one out onto the perimeter and then rotate them in, do something, run plays where they run off of each other. I don't know, but having them both double post just seems to be counterproductive. Andy, the other moment, Ryan, are you good to hang around for a little while? I, I got to take off, guys. I got, I got, I got NFL work to do. But uh, game ball, Khalil, Khalil Ware, hustle. We'll go Gabe Cups. Sounds good. All right. Thanks Bye for guys. being here, man. Appreciate it. I didn't know there was football on. I thought it was just the Jets and Raiders. It is. And it's a uh, replay of the Heidi game 55 years later. That's yeah. the only reason it's on. Okay. Will this one be more high scoring than that one was? No. Uh, not, it's, so, not so far. Not so far. <laughs> later, right. guys. No one's enjoying sports today. Okay. Well, except for IU soccer because they're awesome. Congrats Go to boys. IU soccer. They're awesome. Um, the champs. Andy, the other moment that, that really stood out to me, uh, just as a symptom of a larger problem was in the second half, Indiana's up 56, 52. And I mean, you've got to have a stop at this point, six minutes to go. And again, this is an army team that should not be able to harm us with dribble penetration. And yet Barker just blows right by Xavier Johnson. And one of the things that I've loved most about Xavier Johnson is, you know, he competes on almost every defensive possession. If he gets beat, he sprints and he's there and he just kind of let the drive happen, um, was slow to recover, you know, committed a foul. And it was indicative of something that we saw a lot tonight, which was, you know, him to a certain extent, not always, but more than you would like. And certainly Trey Galloway and I mean, obviously, you know, other guys like Malik and Anthony Walker and, and some of the guys that you wouldn't expect to be as good defending out on the perimeter, but just getting blown by. And that's part of the reason why Indiana was in rotation all the time is they could not guard their yard. They could not stop ball handlers. You know, I think Cups probably did it as well as as anybody. Um, he certainly fights through screens as well as, as anybody. Um, but, you know, again, part of the formula for this team is, hey, you've got X and Trey out front. You know, they're going to hound you. They're going to pest you. For the most part, they can keep guys in front. I know Trey has an issue with it in certain um, matchups. You know, and, and I'll leave some space if, you know, whatever X was dealing with when he went down, if that was still bothering him, okay, then maybe he wasn't able to move as well laterally. But still, in this game against this opponent, Indiana just what and, and and this does go back to some of the focus things, you know. Um, but Indiana just wasn't doing the most basic thing of guard your yard. Keep your man in front of you, make it hard for them to drive in, and that helps alleviate some of these issues with all the overhelp and all of that. And that most basic thing was not at all where it needed to be tonight. Yeah, and there was a there was a play in the first half that I wrote down where X really got blown by as well. So I don't think it was I, I don't know that it was unique to whatever you know calf situation or whatever it was that happened to him. I tend the, to agree the, with you <laughs> in the second half. Uh, that did to me was not the first time, but uh, I, the the interesting you know thing to me about that is I think it just it just compounds the defensive philosophy. It, to the extent that that's an issue, it just compounds it because the more you get blown by, the more guys are inclined to stay a little bit longer to cut off the drive. And, and a lot of times what would happen is, you know, they're cutting, you got guys collapsing to stop it. And then 
the shooters are just relocating essentially behind them. Uh, and so when they go turn to recover, the guy is as he shouldn't be as, as should be the case in not where he was when you left him. And so the closeout becomes longer because you've stayed too late. They've relocated and you're trying to find your way to get out where you need to be. It just, um, yeah, I, I think for, you know, we talked about it Woodson talked about it, you know, the, the effect that not having X had on the def- defense last year at the point of attack. And, you know, that was not a place that he was, he was all that effective uh, tonight. You know, I think at, in, in spurts, yes, but consistently uh, that was a problem. And, and really you talk about it so many times in these games, allowing another team to get comfortable. I very much did that against army in the, the entirety of the first half. And it really continued in the second half. Even when IU had that big scoring run, they let Army score enough during that stretch to not let the game get away from them. Uh, and and so you had some of those stretches, and they turned the ball over a bunch. And it's just, you know, eventually you give up enough open threes, they're going to hit some of them. Uh, and yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I thought really, I thought Cups did a, a fairly good job with that. Um, probably the best of, of anybody there. And I think that's what he's looking for from guys coming off the bench. Talked about wanting more from CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks and, uh, and things like that. There was the play, you know, this is another one, you know, CJ Gunn kind of goes, goes rogue post player turns his back. He goes, runs at him trying to think he's going to pick his pocket and steal it. His guy gets a layup because nobody else can get there in time. He's so far past the play by the time he sees it, nobody else can get there. Uh, you know, again, that's kind of a guard your yard. Do you trust the guy who's guarding the guy in the post? Maybe you're trying to make a play to spark everybody. But again, I think there's a certain level of trust. It feels like right now, which is probably reasonable for a group of guys who haven't played that well together. Uh, there is a certain trust deficiency, if you will, in terms of where people are supposed to be. And it accentuates the potential holes in the defensive philosophy at the same time. One other one I want to point out, Andy, and then we'll get to yours. I don't think anybody missed it, um, but I do uh, just want to talk about it briefly. When it was 61-58, to uh, Trey Galloway probably could have taken a three, makes the extra pass to Gabe Cups on the left corner. He drains a three, 64-58. to Um, A huge shot. Uh, Unfortunately, Army would go down, and the very next possession is the one where X and Ware left the shooter, and he drained the three. Uh, But, you know, that shot from Cups – you know, I don't know what kind of percentage Cups is going to shoot from three and how good of a shooter and score he's going to end up being at Indiana. Um, and I think there may be plenty of threes that look ugly, like some of the ones he missed early. But we saw it against Florida Gulf Coast. We saw it in this one. I do think he's going to be a guy that is willing and able to step up and take and make big shots. Um, you know, we've it's just kind of been part of his DNA for as long as he's been a basketball player. Um, and so that was encouraging to see again, because that was a huge shot for Indiana in that moment, only up three. Uh, and you know, that pushed it out to six and was obviously very important. And Indiana ended it, you know, eventually winning this game. Yeah, that was a big shot. It was uh you kind of see it once they kicked it out. I think it was Renew who had it first in the post. Yep. And they started to swing the ball around. You kind of saw it to cups. And I thought for a second, like you said, that Galloway wasn't going to shoot. He kind of hesitated for a minute, then kicked it over. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, he stepped into that one confidently. Also hit another, uh, I think, one around the elbow in the second half that uh, was it was a nice shot. So uh, he's not going to be – it doesn't seem like a guy who's forcing a shot, but isn't necessarily going to be shy to shoot either. Uh, and so I think you're going to see him make some big shots over the course of his career. And uh, thought he certainly had some some moments tonight. 
any meaningful moments for you that you want to point out that we haven't discussed yet? I, I will say one, um, you kind of forget about most things in the first half. I feel like in a game like this, but there was a, uh, a play, I guess it wasn't super late in the half, but, um, yeah, I thought X really did a lot of good things to end the first half uh, for as much as we talked yeah. about some of the things defensively uh, in the one that I wanted to note was, you know, where misses one, uh, I think it was a jumper X comes flying in from the baseline, gets fouled on the putback, uh, able to make the free throw, uh, made a three, a couple possessions later, made a couple other free throws. So he played really well uh, down the stretch of the first half and really was the only guy who scored more than four points in the first half. He had 15 uh, and so I thought for as much as the offense kind of struggled uh, in that half, I thought he made some big plays. It's kind of what you would expect from a leader, but you wouldn't necessarily expect him crashing the grass, glass the way that he was. Yeah. Uh, and that was really a big play to kind of you know, c- continue to give IU a little bit of momentum in that, in that scenario. So I thought he did some really good things, was active, um, a little bit out of control at times with, with some turnovers, but generally speaking, took good shots in the first half and, um, I thought that was a good effort play that, you know, maybe it's something he was trying to get everybody else going, who knows. Um, but, uh, but thought he had a good, good first half for as much as we critiqued his defense a minute ago. Agree. No, absolutely. I mean, Indiana wasn't getting anything going. I mean, those 15 no. points and three assists. I mean, that was almost Indiana's entire output in the first half. So, you know, he, you know, certainly, his performance, like everybody's, left some room for improvement, but he was about as effective as anybody else, uh, which was nice to see. All right, Andy, time to go inside the numbers brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and Chat Mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. Just word to the wise, though. Maybe if Indiana has a bad performance, give it like 24 hours and then call Megan. You may not want to call her right after right after Indiana plays poorly. Um, a few key stats, Andy. You know, in a game like this against Army, you don't want to look at free throws as deciding the game. And yet... Indiana goes 18 for 22, which is terrific. I mean, that's 81.8%. X is nine for nine, you know, outside of the two that Trey clanged late. Uh, you know, Indiana did a nice job hitting them late to, to be able to seal the game. And Army goes three for nine, which I don't know what they're shooting on the season, but I'm sure it's not that poor. And so, I mean, if they just make a couple more free throws and we miss a couple, which would have been perfectly reasonable, this is an even closer game. Uh, and I just think that highlights how close Indiana skated to disaster here, you know? And so again, if you're wondering why the tone of the show uh, isn't quite as happy as maybe after the win over Florida Gulf coast, I would first ask if you watched the game. Uh, and secondly, I would, I would say that because it is, it's just, it's hard to translate a lot of the things that Indiana did to win here, you know, to, to, to what's going to happen moving forward. And so, I mean, look, 18 turnovers, all the offensive rebounds, Indiana gave up, um, the other thing that we have to talk about a little more, I guess, is the three-point shooting. Do you want to do you want to hit that? I know you had a note in our chat that was quite illustrative of the issues Indiana's <laughs> facing here early in the season. Yeah, I, I will say just on the on the free throws, um, you know, Malik stepped up and hit some big ones down the stretch. Yes. He had missed the, I think he missed one in the first half, but uh, was I think four for four down the stretch. Uh, another part of an impre- impressive performance from him that we haven't talked about, just from an all-around game you know 14 points seven rebounds five assists um tied xavier johnson for the lead uh in assists tonight uh so 
you know, an overall good performance from him. Glad to see him be able to step up and, and make those down the stretch. And yeah, they're 18 and 20 before, before Trey missed those others. Uh, but yeah, credit to Ryan Carraza of Inside the Hall for this. Hoosiers have allowed 72 three-point attempts in their first two outings. Florida Gulf Coast and Army made 26 combined. IU, on the other hand, has only taken 24 of its own across the two contests. Vast three-point volume discrepancy continuing so far again this season under Woodson. I mean, that is alarming uh, at best uh, to, to look at that. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're sounding the alarm now. <laughs> And I mean, even if you if you look, IU shot just three in the second half. And I think outside of the Cups one, I believe the other two were both late shot clock scenarios. They were not necessarily, uh, you know, in the in the true flow of of the offense. So I think that's one where, you know, everybody that you play isn't going to be as hell bent on shooting threes as as Army was. And this was even extreme for what they've uh, done so far on the season. But that can be an equalizer in a game like this when the, the the talent discrepancy is wide. It makes complete sense for a team to do that, to kind of throw the variance in there of that. And knowing that IU is not going to do that. But, I mean, you look in the game. IU got to the free throw line a lot more. But some of this speaks to offensive rebounding. IU had 43 field goal attempts for the game. And Army shot 38 threes. Uh, and, and so I think that's probably the other, you know, the other stat as we get to the three points and, and obviously you can feel free to touch on that, you know, offensive rebounding again, gave up 11 offensive rebounds, 14 second chance points, outscored 14 to five in second chance points. You know, at some point we can't just pin it on, well, teams are taking a lot of threes, a lot of long rebounds, a lot of things like that. There were plenty of rebounds that were right around the basket. Didn't really have the team rebounds tonight where the ball at least didn't feel that way. Uh, I guess there were four. Uh, you know, balls getting blocked out of bounds and, and things like that. Um, it, it just, this is going to, seems like it's going to continue to be a struggle for this team. And I think one that given the overall size and athleticism of the team seems like something that would be, would be solved this year. And, and, and just to circle back to the three point shooting, like we can point back to the couple that they're draining, falling out of bounds in the corner as a shot clock expires. They also missed a ton of wide open ones. Yes, That stuff evens itself out at some point. It isn't just bad luck that you're giving up those others. It's probably, in fact, good luck that they're missing some of the other wide open ones that they got. And against better teams, yeah, sure, nobody's going to shoot 50% from three. Um, You give up enough good wide open, clean looks to a good team, you're going to find yourself down significantly. Uh, So... So anyway, so yeah, that was a, a lengthy answer, yeah. but did circle back to the three point shooting for you. You did. Well, I mean, to, Andy, uh, pick up we, on actually, there. we shot better percentage wise. We shot 36.4% from the three point range with our four for 11. <laughs> they were 34.2%, which is why the percentage can be such a meaningless stat at times when the volume is this different. I mean, Andy army, again, let me underscore this, the 338th ranked team in Ken Palm entering this, they will go up because of this performance in the computer rankings, and they should, Army had 61 field goal attempts. We had 43 at home. I mean, one of the most basic things you should do against an opponent you should dominate is dominate shot volume, which is one of the most un, you know underrated stats. John Gassaway talks about this all the time. And what dictates shot volume? Turnovers, rebounds a lot of times. You know How good are you at protecting a possession so that you can actually get a shot out of it? And how good are you at limiting opponent possessions so they have fewer opportunities to shoot? 
I mean, if Indiana is going to be down 18 in terms of you know shot volume, now again, you can make up for that with free throws, and Indiana did that, so that's part of making up for it. But that is horrible. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just that, that's an absolutely terrible statistic in a game like this. And again, goes back to as much as it was scheme and philosophy and all of that. This was also just a team that didn't that just kind of came to play in spurts, but didn't come to compete for 40 minutes, you know, with the kind of competitive focus you need. Uh, and that's the problem is you can't let that be a habit. That's something that needs to be more consistent than it's been. Like, all right, you're up by, you know, 35 points with 30 minutes left and you take your foot off the gas in the final 10 minutes, whatever. Like, I don't care about that. But to come out and play like this for 40 minutes, it's not good. I mean, you know, the other thing, Andy, what do we always talk about just when it comes to effort, right? Blocks and steals. You know, a lot of times that's, you know, going and playing hard. Indiana had 10 total. Army had 12. A team like Army should never be able to do that. And Indiana let them do that. You know, and so those are the things that I'm, you know, I mean, I'm look, we've been talking about the three-point shooting on this show for a long time. So I'm obviously concerned about that. But the competitive spirit of this team has to be better. It just was not good enough tonight. It was good enough to eke out a win. Um, but there's just yeah, there's think- a lot of questions in that area. And, and you can see it. You can't always see that stuff in the stats. Tonight, you can see it all through the stats. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you look. You talked about those block and steal numbers. IU had five of each. Army had twelve steals. You know, out of IU's eighteen turnovers. And you look down the stat sheet. Everybody who played in the game except Anthony Walker had at least one turnover. That that to me is telling. It's not just one guy being loose with the ball. It's not just one guy making bad passes or bad decisions or being lackadaisical with things. Like it's everybody. Yep. Um. And and that. Again, you know, 12, 12 steals for for Army, and that's not really what they're really trying to do. They weren't, they were not pressing. They're not six of those were just thrown right to them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's almost it's not, not right really calling like, it a steal. It was a gift. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and and you know, they, they they would do some post doubles from time to time. Those were not overly effective. I didn't really feel like, but you know, against a team that's not trapping or pressing, twelve steals is pretty hard to fathom uh as as you look at it that way and like you said that's really where you know some of the effort comes in and yeah so you give you know they were plus six in turnovers 18 versus 12 they were plus six on the glass uh, on the offensive glass and and they were you know if you look at the points off of those you know points off turnovers they ended up only with two more points off turnovers than iu but they ended up with nine more second chance points um and and for all that IU wanted to do going inside, it was 36, 20 points in the paint. I mean, you give 20 points in the paint to a team that shot 38, three. So, um, you know, again, it kind of speaks to defense. I think the other thing uh, that I'd point out at a team level is four fast break points. And, and Woodson alluded to this a little bit in the post game. Uh, I'm trying to find it. I was pasting a bunch of these quotes in here. Um, yeah. You know, we can't, we can't just play in the half court this season. Thank you. Uh, I want I want to play faster. <laughs> I want to play faster. Uh, transition continues to be a point of emphasis. This is not what he said because I want to play faster. You know, really, really didn't get. I think it was single digit fast break points uh, against Florida Gulf Coast. Four in this game tonight, and for a team that is struggling a ton in the half court to get some easy baskets like the one they got late, which was a little bit of a scramble situation with the deflection and the, the run out and the lob to where 
it, this team has to try to find ways to get easy baskets, but they're not defending well enough to create, you know, turnovers and steals that are going to lead to those runouts. Um, and they're not getting rebounds well enough to even push the ball up the floor after those kinds of things. And it's little things like that that can help paper over some of the, you know, offensive philosophy things or whatever you want to call it. But through two games, they really weren't able to do that in any meaningful way. Uh, and I think that's concerning because what we've seen in the half court offense so far is that if it falls back on relying on IU to score a ton of points efficiently in the half court, it's going to be ugly at times. Well, you know, and the other thing about playing fast with that first unit, Mbako, Renew, and Ware are all, they have some good athletic traits. Neither one of them is a burner that seems especially comfortable playing in the open court. You know, especially, you know, Renew is not a finisher in, in the fast break. Ware has good athleticism, but foot speed is probably the thing he lacks the most. Um, you know, and so that's part of the issue too, is you get X and Trey going so fast. Then there was actually a play, I think it was in the second half late, you know, X pushed it really fast, but he like got up there before everybody. And so he stops and to his credit was, you know, patient. And I think he found renew, uh, you know, dumped it down for, you know, for a little bucket, but that's the other issue with that group. Um, so look, yeah. Well, well, one of the turnovers kind of the same was, trying to play fast and giving it to renew as like a trailer it like come as he comes barreling down the wing in one of those yeah. stretches like nothing good is going to happen in that scenario because the defense has pretty much gotten back and set at, at that stage like he's not gonna that, that's just not a good position to put him in that's not his fault it's just a matter of being able to do some of that so i don't know if that's the thing that, that prompts some of the lineup changes or the things like that i think the other thing that gets hard is you talk about wanting to run more pick and roll you just don't they haven't done anything with Mbako in that scenario. I don't know whether he can or can't be the ball handler in that scenario, but he certainly hasn't been afforded the opportunity so far. And so you get into that, you've got X who wants to make plays off that. Trey can at times. Um, but but to come out and say after the game, well, we need to do more, you know, get more pick and rolls going. I I don't know. Do you have the personnel? Are, are you playing? I think you have the personnel to do that. Are you playing the combinations of players that maximize the effectiveness of that is ultimately the question. Yep. All right, Andy, coming up here on the assembly call, we hand out our game balls and Hoosier hustle award. We'll discuss a lingering question or seven. Uh, and look ahead to Indiana's uh, upcoming battle against Wright state. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. And I never miss a shot or an episode of the Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. Ryan had to bounce off to do his uh, big lead work for tonight, with it being an NFL Sunday. So it's just Andy and I to uh, take it down the stretch here. It is time now for our game balls, presented by our friends at Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. And as we enter the colder months and begin to stay indoors a bit more, Allie and James want to make sure that everyone knows about radon, a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. It enters buildings through cracks and gaps in the foundation and through service pipes of homes. You can contact Bloom Environmental today, mention Assembly Call, and get a free radon test kit 
and mitigation estimate. Learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. All right, Andy, I will go to you for your game ball uh, choice first. Got to be clue aware. Uh, We talked about that dominant stretch he had in the second half, uh, and I thought that was uh, really turned it on, particularly in the second half when IU needed someone to step up overall for the second half. He had 16.7 of seven from the floor uh, in that half and uh, had three added three rebounds. So maybe we'd love to see a few more rebounds on the, uh, on the box score for him, but uh, you know, 20 and six uh, for, uh, for him led the team in plus minus. I thought he was the difference in the game. Yeah, I think where's a, a fine choice. Ryan picked him. I saw a coach in the chat said where to. I'm not going to argue. Um, I will throw in a vote for Xavier Johnson um, simply because as as up and down as his performance was, at the end of the day, you know, from your senior, you've got to have production. And his offense saved Indiana in the first half. He finishes with 19 points, five assists, uh, a block and a steal. His nine of nine from the free throw line was huge. Um, so lots of room for improvement for everybody. Um, but certainly those two guys, just from a production standpoint, you know, really stepped up on a night when Indiana needed it because they didn't get anything from anybody else. I mean, Ware had 20, Johnson had 19, Renew had 14, and then you had a couple of guys with five. Uh, you know, so for anybody who was looking for the bench to uh, be able to kind of explode and get some rhythm going offensively, that did not happen. Hold that thought. We'll probably talk about that in lingering questions. Um, all right. And that moves us now to the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leo, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either. But it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sang you. Thank you, Anthony. Andy, who's your hustle award? Ryan already gave his to Gabe Gabe Cups. Uh, Yeah, at the risk of agreeing with Ryan again, uh, which is... Always a little easier to do when he's not here. Uh, I'm going to go with Gabe Cups as well. Uh, we talked about his on-ball defense. I think that was, you know, the way he defended there stood out. Uh, felt like he, you know, played really hard on that end and, um, you know, made some solid defensive plays. I, quite honestly, this one was a hard one for me uh, tonight. I, I won't say that people didn't play hard, but, we, you know, we the, a, a drumbeat of the show has been overall effort and focus. And I think it becomes hard to figure out in a game like that, uh, the Hoosier Hustle Award <laughs> in that, uh, you know, given that. So I'll, I'll throw it, I'll throw it to Cups, but um, would probably be open to other choices. Don't think it's a game where nobody gets it, but uh, it, it is a little, uh, a little tricky in a game like this. No, I mean, there was a severe lack of competitive focus. Like, I think guys were like trying to move fast and like running up and down the court and breaking a sweat. You know, it's not that guys weren't playing with effort. They just weren't playing with focused effort, you know, and that's the big problem. So I'm going to give it to Cups too. 
um, because I thought when he was on the court, the defensive intensity seemed to be better. Now, Gabe had plenty of problems in this performance. I mean, some of his decisions on offense, some of the passes were very poor. Um, you know, and, and so certainly the most kind of uneven performance that we've seen from him, but that, you know, went for the entire team. You know, I would say Peyton Sparks for the short period that he was in there, you know, played hard, gave some hustle, uh, and some toughness for Indiana. You know, he had four rebounds in nine minutes. You know, we talked with Jay on Thursday about, you know, Peyton Sparks rebounds for the season, five and a half. He also had one that just went off his hands or that would have been uh five, but he had a couple strong rebounds in there. Uh, and that, to me, is the thesis for why you're going to see Peyton Sparks play minutes because he does some things uh, that this team is going to need on certain nights. And so I thought his you know minutes were uh, you know he did some good things while he was out there. But I'm going to give it to Cups, and I, I just thought his consistent effort fighting through screens um, was nice to see. You know, there are too many times where Indiana just kind of gave up when they got screened. You know, there was one play in particular where McKenzie and Baco goes under a screen. I cannot imagine that was the plan because it was against the little guy uh, who was making all the threes. Now, maybe there was supposed to be a switch or something, but it just kind of looked like McKenzie chilling back there, not fighting through the screen and waiting and hoping the guy missed. And on that particular uh, moment, actually, I don't even remember if he missed or made the shot. It doesn't matter. It's all about the process. Um, I'm, pretty sure, so, I'm pretty sure he made it. If, he, I, I'm remembering this play that you did. He probably did. And so that that's the thing with Gabe that you you always see is certainly through two games, he doesn't take a possession off defensively. Um, and that's good to see because at least from a mental and focus standpoint, Indiana took a lot of possessions off uh, defensively and didn't do a good job guarding the yard, as we said. Gabe of everybody probably did the best. So he wins it. Ware wins it. Um, let's talk lingering questions. Chat mob, if you want to put some ideas in here, you can, you know, Andy, we talked in segment one about McKenzie and Baco and, you know, not getting him going. And I know, you know, look, there's probably going to be some debate about that because some people are saying, well, he's not playing hard enough defensively to get going. You know, we're looking at it more from the standpoint of, okay, but well, this is one of your most talented offensive players. You've got to find ways to get him going. Uh, I definitely stand by that. But just from an overall perspective, when you look at the offense, I think now, you know, especially look, especially if Woodson is going to do some of these line changes that it seems like we're kind of going back to from season one, that second unit's got to have some scoring in it. You know, when you've got what ends up being Gabe, Walker, uh, Banks, Sparks. Gun. Yeah, Gun. Now, look, you'd want it to be a guy like CJ Gunn, obviously, but he hasn't gotten himself going. Uh, you know, what Banks hit a nice three, but also was just wildly out of control on a drive. What is Indiana going to do to A, maybe get a little bit more balanced starting lineup and B get more scoring off the bench. That to me is a big lingering question because the starting lineup has, I'm not saying that you give up on the starting lineup because the ceiling is that group figuring it out, but here early, maybe you do need to do something to jumpstart certain guys and just make sure it's more balanced because this team isn't good enough offensively to have possessions without a go-to score on the court, <laughs> you know? And again, maybe that's the way to get McKenzie and Baco going, even though I'm sure it wasn't in, you know, kind of his plans to be a guy who comes off the bench and anchors a second unit, whatever. Um, but that's coaching, you know, you got to get guys to buy into roles. So I don't have an answer. I just think it's clearly one of the biggest lingering questions going into the right state game. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a compelling question to try to figure out what, you know, is that a way to get him going? I think where my mind immediately goes to is then, okay, so if you're, there's kind of two paths to take here. 
if you are committed to playing this whole five-man second unit, kind of suggest you probably can't move Cups into the starting lineup because then who's your ball handler with the second group? Kind of suggest you can't really move CJ Gunn into that group because otherwise you'd be essentially playing Mbako or Caleb Banks at the two with the second unit. Um, and so who is the guy that you'd put there? And then you put Anthony Walker out there. Who's really kind of a, a non-shooter like, can you get a non-shooter with that? Like maybe Caleb Banks is a guy you'd throw out there, but, but Woodson is kind of consistently harped on. I would need to get more out of gun banks and Mbako. So I, I think it becomes hard to move around. If, if you want to stick to playing these five man groups, I think it would be very easy to do that if you didn't want to if you didn't want to go that route. So to me, that's the decision, the you know, key decision point for Woodson is, am I committed to playing these five man units? And if so, I, I just have a hard time figuring out like banks feels to me like the guy that you'd put into the starting lineup and given some of the things he says about him, you know, wanting to get more effort, wanting to get more, whatever, like I feels like an odd choice, but I, I don't know. So that's where the part gets hard. And it's like you, we sit here and talk that's in the off season about, Oh, what's yeah. the depth? This depth is going to be so good. And then you're trying to figure out how the pieces fit together, which was another off-season question. And so far, they don't fit together real well. Uh, and as you're trying to figure out what you're, you know, if you can pare down that rotation a little bit, like maybe you've got some other options. But as long as he stays committed to playing the the five-man second unit, you got to somebody has to step up at that other spot to start, or you're really accentuating some of the, the challenges that Mbako's already having. If, if you think that the right thing to do is to find ways time for him at the four, how do you actually do that? Um, I don't so know, man. that's where it gets I mean, tricky. You're right. I mean, everything that you just laid out is absolutely right. Cause that's the thing. There's no one playing well enough or that really projects to be that guy, you know, CJ Gunn kind of would be the, the idealized version of him that we talked about in the off season, but he just hasn't been able to get it going. You know, and CJ and McKenzie are guys that need to score when they're on the court, you know, and we just, we haven't been able to get that from them yet. And so something's going to have to be unlocked there for the other lingering question. Hey, we'll go to coach Tonsoni, who we, we appreciate coach you spending this evening of your birthday with us, uh, talking through this. I hope it's more enjoyable <laughs> there in the chat mob, uh, than it is trying to find answers uh, to questions here, but this is an interesting one, Andy. Do you think this team is connected? Bad body language or body language was off tonight. I mean, I, I think there's only one way to answer this question right now. And it's it's a very difficult question to answer because to truly know this, you got to be there in practice. You got to be there in the locker room, all that stuff. We get this little two-hour snippet to watch. I would say this doesn't look like a team that's very connected. On the one hand, and there's really there's two parts of that. On the one hand, I didn't expect this team to look connected from an offensive or defensive cohesion standpoint. Like we we got to remind ourselves that there is a part of what happened tonight that was expected and somewhat explainable. A small part. You know, but there's some other things. I mean again, you know, just seeing seeing some of the possessions, seeing some of the, you know, like coach was saying the body language seemed off. That is a bit of a concern. Um not a you know, again, not sound the alarm, but it is something to watch, you know, against Wright State. You know, you would think, you know, after kind of having this this near, you know, near disaster against Army that they would really come out with their hair on fire, playing together, playing hard as a group, uh, or, or playing more focused as a group against Wright State, you know, and that's, that's a pretty basic thing to kind of look for from a team, but that's certainly going to be the thing that we're all looking for against Wright State. So do I think the team is connected? 
you know, certainly in some of the basketball ways, they're probably a little bit less connected than we were hoping. And I think that's fair to say. And just in terms of, you know, how they are individually and interpersonally, it's tough to say too much, but you know, and there wasn't a lot to get excited about to see some of that enthusiasm in this game, but it certainly leaves you wanting more. And maybe you'll see some of that as the play starts to improve. You know, sometimes those things build off each other, but yeah, it's not it's not what you'd like to see on November twelfth. I don't think, despite the two and zero record. Yeah, I think that is like you said, probably not ultimately super surprising given the number of new faces that you have, um, and even with the guys that you do have back, in large part being asked to take on different roles maybe than what they did before. So in some regard, probably is to be expected. I think the challenge becomes that that connectedness seemed to manifest itself with poor communication on the defensive end when this team is supposed to be good. And with not really a lot of cohesion offensively in terms of being able to, to get guys in the ball in spots that can be successful, cutting with purpose, moving with purpose. Um, and, and so I, I think that can come over time, but I felt like there was a lot of things that we saw, even in the Florida Gulf Coast game, you know, I'll go back a little bit to the Mbako thing, you know, thought he seemed still really connected with the game, was excited on the bench. Everybody still seemed kind of into that game in a way that tonight that didn't seem to be the case. Now, I think there's a part of it where you played poorly enough, they hung around long enough that the thought of, oh, crap, we might actually lose this game creeps into your mind. And I think that is inherently going to impact your body language in a negative way. But didn't it's it seemed like in spite of the fact they weren't playing as well against Florida Gulf Coast like that wasn't an issue but it was tonight uh or at least it seemed like it tonight watching it on TV again I'm sure somebody who was there may have a different feel for that but uh at least what you saw on TV it was a lot of guys seeming like kind of sulking a little bit about this is not going well understanding it's not going well but not really doing the things in long stretches that are going to pull you out of it when it's not going very well uh, and then, like I said, I think it kind of turned into the, oh, crap, we can't lose this game uh, yeah. type of thing, which is not ideal. Um, and, and you know, we talk about looking ahead a little bit to the UConn game and things like that. I also think guys will get up for that game and provide a level of energy in that game that is far different than what we've seen so far. You don't want that to be the case, but I think inherently it's human nature, and I think it's also human nature for a group of guys who, you know, may not have a lot of that, built-in success and that historical success as a unit that is going to give you that, but that environment is going to bring that out of some guys. So um, now that may not mean a damn thing when it, (laughs) you know, when, when it comes around to it, but I also don't think you'll see some of that in that scenario, just based on who you're playing. Yeah. Indiana uh, opened the season 50th in Ken Palm, uh, which was very low, you know, given what, we kind of expected from this season. Indiana is now 62nd after two straight games of playing below expectations. Uh, and now Andy, Indiana plays Wright state. Wright state is currently number 165, at least in Ken Palm. They got blasted by Colorado state in their first game, 105 to 77. They play Toledo on Tuesday and then they play Toledo at home and then Indiana on Thursday. So potential for that team to be a little uh, tired, especially if that Toledo game is competitive, which, you know, you would expect it to be based on the rankings, but tell me a little bit about Wright state, uh, at least what you know of them and what, you know, Indiana fans should expect on Thursday. 
Yeah, I think the two you know key players uh, are Trey Calvin, who's a, a guard. Uh, he had 33 in their opener, but was one of the Horizon League's best players uh, a year ago. And then Tanner Holden, who played really well for them, transferred to Ohio State for last season and then transferred back uh, this year. So he was the second leading scorer in that game. Those are really the two guys that I think focus on most offensively. Uh, Calvin is a, you know, they're, uh, you know, six foot point guard or six foot guard, uh, rather. So uh, again, can you keep him in front of you? The whole guard your yard thing becomes pretty important, uh, in that scenario. I will say one thing that may bode well for IU, they allowed Colorado state to shoot 81% from two point range, which is where, uh, IU clearly wants to play. That's where we like to operate. Um, (laughs) so you got that going for you. Uh, and so, yeah, who knows, but, uh, but that was an area they really struggled in in the opener. Uh, so that should be one of the better teams in the horizon league. Uh, I would say, and in general, um, you know, they've, they've kind of been that way, uh, over the, over the last handful of seasons. Um, so, you know, have a coaching system that's been in place for a while. So will not be uh, an easy team. Didn't seem like they played a, a ton of guys. It seemed like they played their starters pretty heavy minutes uh, against Colorado state, despite losing by so much. Uh, so that'll be interesting, but uh, they shot 40% from three in their opener. Didn't shoot a ton of them. Uh, perhaps that changes as they look ahead to IU, but uh, they did shoot 40% on somewhat limited, uh, limited attempts there. But uh, haven't seen them play this year. Did not watch that game. Maybe good that they've got a fairly quick turnaround from playing uh, a Toledo team that should be pretty decent in the MAC. But uh, again, the game you you need to win, get some momentum. Hopefully, come out with a little bit different level of uh, focus and energy in that one uh, against what should be a, a better team than what they faced. Uh, arguably, in either of the first two games, although I think they probably end up pretty comparable to Florida Gulf Coast once all said and done. Indiana currently number one in the country in free throw defense as Florida Gulf Coast and Army have shot a combined 33% from the free throw line. So this, these scores could have been even closer, I guess, is the point. Although neither team shot a lot of free throws. Um, but Andy, this needs to get better, and it needs to get better fast because, I mean, you know, look, it's better to be 2-0, and obviously, than some of these other teams that have taken a loss, and that's all well and good, and Indiana has avoided disaster, and hopefully they can do that against Wright State, but you start playing Connecticut and Maryland and Michigan and Auburn and Kansas, which are uh, five of the next seven games, and performances like tonight are going to get you run out of the gym. And that is why we are kind of striking the tone that we are, despite Indiana winning by eight. It's because, you know, look, the the coach that everyone was honoring on the bench tonight with the red sweaters, his whole thing was always play against your potential. You're not playing against the opponent. You're playing against the game of basketball and how well you can play it. This Indiana team certainly can. They have the players to play it better than they did tonight, but we did not see that on the court, and we have to, or the losses are going to start piling up quick. And we can take on some water in the non-conference. But we can't take on that much and still expect to get where we want to go. Um, yeah, the, so. the league is not really setting the world on fire in general, <laughs> no. so that doesn't help either. No, it's not. No, it's not. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Always remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME23 at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Andy, it's time for last call. Your final thoughts on an eight-point victory for the Hoosiers that didn't really feel like it. 
Uh, lots of work to do for sure. I, I joked with you guys before the game that I thought because the Eagles weren't playing, I could have a low stress uh, Sunday from a sports perspective. That true. That proved unfortunately nope. not to be the case. Uh, I, I think you know, kind of like we've talked about on here, there there is nobody who could have rationally looked at this team and said there will not be growing pains and there won't be challenges. Uh, I think the fear. And the reason, as you said, we've kind of struck the tone is that I don't think anybody thought it would look at any point like it did tonight. And, and to a certain extent, even aspects, it, segments of the first game. Uh, and so I, I think what you have seen, especially with a guy like Khalil Ware, is like the talent undeniably is is still there with this roster. Xavier Johnson said something to that effect. You know, I think you know we'll see over time this is a really talented team. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. Um, but this team has to figure out how to use that talent within the framework of what uh, Woodson is 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 asking them to do on both ends of the floor. And right now, that's where the disconnect is. Um, and that can be, you know, can be figured out, papered over, whatever you want to say in games against lesser competition. And that's kind of been the case so far in these first two games. And so uh, this will really be a test for, how much does that philosophy change or how much is he able to impart that philosophy on this group of players? Um, if, if neither of those things happen, this is not going to be a very fun season. I, I think in the long run. Uh, and, and I don't think it's time. I think if you put yourself in the shoes of the coach two games in, it is not the time to pull the ripcord and move completely away from what you believe in. Uh, but I think at some point, if a few games after this, we look and we're having the same conversations about, this team is not able to execute what he wants to do effectively. It then becomes incumbent to make some changes to figure out how to get the most out of the guys that you have. Um, so that's where I'm not hitting the panic button after, after two games, but I do think that's going to be the fork in the road. That's going to come for this team is either they're going to be able to figure out how to play the way he wants them to play, or he's going to have to figure out a different way to, to play if they want to be successful. And so far, he's pushed buttons in the games with lineup decisions and guys who have played that said, that shows he understands the importance of winning the games and not hurting people's feelings and not doing those kinds of things. But at some point, that, those are going to be harder and harder decisions as you go forward and, and trying to figure out how much can you deviate from the way that you want to play on one or both ends of the floor to be able to, to make your team successful. And so that's what we don't know yet. Um, the good thing is they've made it through these games while winning while displaying some of the things that can allow you to be excited about this team, um, but also showing some of the flaws that we all knew were there and maybe were a little bit bigger than, than we thought. Uh, and so we'll figure it out. It's a, it's a journey. We're two games in. And uh, so far, I don't think we like where it's uh, headed, but also uh, not a reason to, to turn back and start over either. Yep, 2-0 is 2-0. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to win games, and Indiana's won two of them, uh, and that is good. And there's something to be said for, you know, not letting one of these really bad performances, you know, end up getting you clipped with a loss. Um, and so that's good. And, you know, the last thing that I'll, I'll focus on tonight, and we've pointed out, I think, all the issues and the lingering questions and all of that, um, I think the the best thing to take out of these first two games is the performance of Khalil Ware. Um, you know, and he's stepped up when Indiana has needed him to. He's done a pretty good job on the glass. He's shown us that he can provide some of the rim protection uh, that we lost, obviously, with Trace Jackson Davis being gone. His block percentage right now is 9.4%. 
that might be almost exactly what traces was last year. Um, if I remember correctly. And so seeing that is good. Uh, but Indiana is going to have to get more obviously out of the starting unit, uh, and out of everybody and just, you know, find ways to play more cohesive offense more consistently and figure out on defense how to communicate with each other and how to figure out how to stop having, um, you know, so many of these miscommunications, but seeing what Kalel can do and, and watching him thrive so far in kind of a go-to role that, you know, when Indiana really needs something, they go to Kalel to Khalil and they go to Malik. Uh, and those guys in the second halves of these games have stepped up and they deserve credit for that. Um, but them and even them and the rest of their uh, teammates, need to start playing a lot better because the competition is going to get better real soon, real fast. Uh, And based on what we've seen through two games, this team isn't ready for that kind of schedule. They've got time to get there. They certainly have the talent, the length, and the athleticism to be able to compete against that kind of schedule. But they have to figure out how to play better basketball because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Uh, And right now, through two games, this team just isn't playing very good basketball, even though they've won two games. And that's what we want to see improve Thursday against Wright State. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to substack.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is Don Sony.